Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Hello and you're welcome to the Big Tech Show podcast with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. This week we're talking about broadband and how they do things in other places. And for a first-hand expert view on that, I'm joined by Connell Henry, who was years ago the commercial director of Ryanair. Then he moved to Enet and was in charge of a lot of fibre rings around Irish towns. Then joined the National Broadband Plan program. And then, before that contract was actually signed, he set up his own company with a colleague in, in Northern Ireland called uh, Fibrous Networks, and they got a big contract to roll out brand, broadband up there, and now they're eyeing something similar in England. Connell, you're welcome to the podcast. Afternoon, Adrian. How are you? I'm very well. Before we get into all of the Fibrous stuff, do you've, you're sitting in Northern Ireland at the moment, Belfast, right? That's where you're based? Yep, yep. Right, do you think we'll see any roaming charges from the north down into the south? No, I think I think Voda and EE have both come out with roaming charges in the EU for for British customers, but they've explicitly. I think Voda certainly. I think EE as well have explicitly yeah. excluded ROI. And I think if they were doing that at the time that they're implementing the change, why would they do that if it wasn't a permanent thing? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? We often get that exemption uh, when it comes to uh, British. Uh, telecoms, retail, and also mobile networks. I think I think it's very much. If you remember the early days of roaming around the border, there was absolute pandemonium as people kept roaming, mm. roaming out, and incurring huge charges. And they've never really technically solved that. The the, the solution has been that roaming has been free, and it, it isn't as financially punitive as it used to be. Mm. You know? So yeah, I, yeah. No, another example of Northern Ireland being uh, caught in this Brexit mess. Yeah, yeah. For positively this time, however, okay. Fibrous Networks, you set that up. You got a big contract in the north to roll out fiber broadband to a lot of homes. Not exactly the same as the national broadband plan down here, but not a million miles differently either, right? Yeah, I, I suppose for, for an Irish audience, I think the difference between us and, and national broadband plan is, is, is Stratum, which is the Northern Irish national broadband plan, is only about a third of what we're doing in Northern Ireland. We're actually, mm. I think the better way to think of Fibrous in Northern Ireland is a combination of CSIRO and the National Broadband Plan because we're building on our own dollar in a lot of the regional towns and as I say in all the towns in Northern Ireland bigger than Dunloy and Small and Ballymena and so that's about a hundred towns that we're actually deploying and we're already into 20 towns. We're building today 14 kilometres of new network every day Mm. which you know I don't think that's a build rate that's ever been achieved anywhere in the British Isles before. Mm. Mm. Um, and the, the overall size of the 
footprint in the north in terms of how many homes are connected to fiber as a percentage or in absolute terms. Do you, you have any idea how many that is? So there are 800,000 homes in Northern Ireland. I yeah. think at the moment, Northern Ireland is is probably the, 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 the best place for connectivity in the British Isles. I can't remember exactly what the number is, but um, I think it's probably up over 50% at this stage and it will get to 100% before anywhere else, you know, right. because of the efforts of ourselves, Virgin, and to a certain extent, OpenReach. Yeah. I mean, uh, the general question might be, do they do things better up there in the north where you are than they do down here? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a great trap to set. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> um, no, I, well, it's definitely different. I think our experience in Northern Ireland you know, has been different. Um, what would I say? I think uh, the access to the passive infrastructure uh, is still problematic, but it's it, you know it's, it's heavily bureaucratic, but we're doing it. So w- our access to, to BT's network is there. Um, mm. the, the 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 regulatory environment is different, but you know it's better and in some places worse than others. The competitive environment is about the same. I suppose in Northern Ireland you have you you, you don't have the level of market share in the in the north that Vodafone have in the south, but you do have Talk Talk. But mm. you, and then you've got Sky and Virgin, who are the big sort of competitive players, and then the incumbent Air in the South BT in the North. Mm. Um, and then you've got government, and government in Northern Ireland, and government in the South are very different. They, they I mean, the, the difference in the way that uh, we we dealt with Stratum versus dealing with the National Broadband Plan in Dublin, you know, it was incredibly different. I wouldn't say better or worse, but just incredibly different. You know, mm. it's a lot. It'll be a lot cheaper up there, won't it? The when the this the Stratum process. Yeah, I mean, Stratum's only 77,000 homes as opposed to 540,000. Um, and the announced number is 165 million. And we made a commitment uh, to, to... So the, the Stratum project, the, 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 the competition was how many of these homes can you do for the 165 million as opposed to the NBP, which was how much will you charge me to do all these homes? You know, so the slight difference there. Yeah, yeah. Um... We could talk an awful lot about that, National Broadband Plan. If it was a different day, a different podcast, I'm, I might do that. Just in terms of what you're looking at now in England, I think you're eyeing Northern England now, are you? Yeah, we, we so we're well underway in Northern Ireland. We're we're up, we're at 60,000 homes past. Uh, we've won Stratum, we're implementing that. And we've identified uh, similar opportunities in the north of England. So um, we're, you know, we can do what we've done in Northern Ireland, which is build in the towns and then try and win the rural subvention from the government. So uh, there are there's a thing called Project Gigabit, which is part of DCMS in London. Their their uh, subvention program, and there's a Project Gigabit uh, subvention coming for uh, a number of areas across England and subsequently Scotland and Wales. We're starting in Cumbria and the northeast, and we're on the ground in Penrith, and we're building already. Um, and we would look to build into about 100,000 homes in Cumbria on our own dollar and then win the rural subvention there and do something similar in Northumberland and potentially Durham and North Yorkshire as well. Mm. I mean, there was a lot of money here for rural subvention. Is it the same in England, in the UK? Again, it's, a, it's another version of the same thing. It's going to be, um, there's going to be, we have to define the subvention that we ask for in Project Gigabit. So the, the, the Tories have, have, have given, I think it's a four or five billion pounds sterling pot for, for broadband rollout across the UK. Uh, this has been allocated a, 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 a part of that, but it's been broken into 24 lots. So um, each lot hasn't been given a budget. It's, it'll be what the competition comes from. It. I mean, it would be surprising to me, you might know better because you know a lot more about this stuff. To me, it would be surprising if they managed to do all of the UK for four or five billion pounds. Yeah, do you know, I actually don't know. I I haven't, UK is a big place, okay? 
Um, you've got things like Scotland with our 100. So there's, and one of the big problems is Scotland because Scotland is so sparsely populated. You know, if you mm. think about driving from London to Inverness, you're less than halfway when you get to Newcastle. You know, mm. it, it, it's it's a it's a really really sparsely populated area, and that's going to be wildly expensive. But but there has been some work done on that already. So I actually, I, you know, Adrian, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I, I'm, I, I, we're focused on those areas that we think we can bite off and chew on, you know? Mm, mm, yeah. Um, one thing you often hear about uh, in this overall debate, and you must come across it as well, maybe even in discussions with tendering authorities, are, well, what is the solution you're going to provide? Is it going to be fixed-line fibre, you know, because that's what we want? Or is there anything... Any alternative like wireless or cellular or anything like that that you were interested in in showing us as a potential alternative solution here? So I think, Adrian, you know this, I'm a fiber snob. I think fiber, <laughs> fiber is the technology. Everything else is a compromise. Mm. And actually, in terms of deploying fiber, you know, you're not digging the road. You're not building a pipeline. You're slinging a cable between buildings. And, and you know, it should be within the wit of us all to get a kettle lead into every building in, in the British Isles, you know, I, I just think that's not a particularly challenging thing to do. Um, and I think the people that sort of claim it is are people who generally are trying to hawk some other form of technology. If we just knuckle down and say, that's what we're going to do, we're going to bring a cable into every home like we did with electricity, we should get it done. You know, mm. there will be a very odd, but I mean, I'm talking 0.001% of premises, you know, everything else, you, you know, you're, you're pulling a cable into a building. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not sure where it's like where you are around Belfast, uh, but certainly in some areas of Mayo and the Midlands in Ireland, as you will know, because you worked down here for so long and you connected a lot of those towns. um, Even just slinging fiber between one pole or one building and another in a sparsely uh, populated region, uh, you can just order your Starlink and just take it out of the box and you'll get your 100 megabits out of the box. Yeah, but the more fiber there is, you know, the, 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 the more fiber there is, the easier it is to deploy fiber, if that makes sense. You know, it's a network mm. connected. And and I think as, as, the, as the fiber network deepens and deepens and deepens, you, you see telcos realizing that they can extend their reach. The marginal cost of connecting premises is going down all the time. Well, we've, we've literally just seen that this week. Today, I had a story in the paper about Air, which is our biggest telecoms company here, and they're expanding their fiber to the home network by 200,000 over the next couple of years. And the reason they're doing that is exactly, I think, for the reasons that uh, you say is that it's a network effect. They're now expanding it into towns and villages of under 1,000 people, uh, homes they wouldn't have considered before, simply because they're going to have fiber there already. And it just makes economic sense at this point to do it. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a breaking story. We, we've done something similar. We haven't announced it yet, but, but we've, we've obviously got our rural subvention and then we've got our towns. We, so we've got Project Stratum and what we call Project Acorn, which is the towns that we go into. We've just completed an exercise to look at the infill in between those towns and we've identified just about 67,000 premises actually that we can think we can add to our target list because they're in the gap between the two projects and they they add in and and, and i'm sure when we've done that we'll find other premises you know mm. it, 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 that's how it gets done and you know this idea that you can you can actually deal with the challenge of not being able to put a cable into a building by putting something up in space Mm. This is like hello, <laughs> you know. It, it, it's like you know. Surely, getting a cable into a premise is yeah. easier than 
a low Earth orbit satellite or 400 of them or whatever nonsense that is like, you know? Right. Well, you know, we, we've done a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago, actually on Starlink in particular, yeah. because it, Starlink is a, is a, it's a difficult one to shoehorn into this conversation because there's more going on there than just satellite broadband. There's a, there's an Elon Musk yeah. um, fan base as well. And there's the reward for being an innovative yeah. Uh, company and all that sort of stuff. But generally speaking, I think most industry experts would agree with you that satellite is never going to compare to a proper uh, fiber. Uh, and also it's way more expensive as a punter. Is a punter here to buy it? It's a hundred euro a month plus 500 euro up front. So, so, but, but, so imagine there, there's a whole bunch of concerns I have with that sort of stuff. If, 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 you know, and I'm not saying they will, but if some of those companies go out of business, who's going to clean up space? You know, who, <laughs> all the junk. Who's going to clear all that junk? And that's, this is low Earth. Mm. This is low orbit stuff. You know, it. I, and I just look at that and go, but this is to overcome a challenge of getting a, a kettle lead into a building. Yeah, we we actually discussed that very point last week on the podcast. I was talking to an expert on space, and we're talking about these space tourism launches, Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson and Elon Musk. And one of the problems is how to stop people dying uh, on the aircraft. And one of the ways they could die is they could bump into, crash into all these satellites that are being launched at the moment. (laughs) Listen, I I think, uh, well, I I don't know what I think in terms of all that, but I, I just, I think... And I've always thought, and I've been deploying fiber networks now since 2005, 2006, uh, you know, the, the performance of fiber, it works. It works perfectly. It's based on the physics of light, not on up, on, on electronics. So, so it, it, it just, it's reliable, it's pervasive, it's cheap. And I think the problem is that a lot of incumbents uh, who are, and, and, and equipment manufacturers had vested interests in copper and radio technologies, you know, copper networks, radio networks, satellite networks are all much more kit intensive than a fiber mm. network. There's very little kit in a fiber network. So the kit vendors don't particularly like it. And the incumbents up until very recently didn't like it. So you had a lot of people who sounded expert not supporting fiber because it really didn't suit their business models. But yeah, they're, they're coming from a particular yeah. business point of view. You, you mentioned the infill stuff. Yeah. Uh, you probably hear the same Iraqis and parliamentary committees and discussion and callers into radio shows and all that sort of stuff. One of the biggest complaints that people have about broadband in general, and in fact, it's the big, single biggest complaint that I hear. My neighbor, 50 yards down the road, has just been hooked up to fiber. And the guys then just passed my house and went to my other neighbor. And I asked them to, to hook up my house. Said, no, it's, it's not in our plan. And that's basically infill, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we, we try not to do that. It, it is, but it, it's it's a real problem. You know, I mean, one of the things when we engage with the political system in the north is we've said to them, you know, that noise on this is going to go up before it goes down as we deploy fiber, exactly for that reason, as people mm-hmm. see it going to their neighbor's house. You know, and we, we deploy ONT. So, you know, it's like a, an, an, an ONT will go out in, in different directions and there could be two houses at the end of one ONT that's getting finished. The other one could only be 100 yards away and it's not getting done for another six months. Mm. And so you get that there. Um, and th- there's not a lot you can do about it other than just make sure that ultimately you get to 100% penetration and everybody gets it. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a real problem. And, and again, of course, in rural areas, the, the, the real problem in rural areas has always been that fiber and good quality benef- 
broadband benefits rural areas much more than it does urban areas because it gives right. you access to services that aren't in those rural areas. So, you know, the benefit to those homes that are getting it last is most. It's funny. I, I drive through Ballina quite a lot, which is a kind of a middling town in terms of how it's doing. It, it doesn't have the tourism or yep. the commerce of other towns like Castlebar or Westport. And it's trying to spruce up its main street. But one of the reasons it's trying to do that, and especially via pedestrianization, is the retail owners there have finally admitted that Amazon and online retailers through broadband and mainly fiber rollouts in the area are, is now a major commercial force yeah. uh, in the area. People are now buying stuff um, online. I give you one personal example. I was buying a sofa bed for a cottage in the middle of nowhere yeah. in cottage from Ikea. And Ikea stupidly have this policy where they'll deliver anything in the store for 70 quid anywhere in the country. Now, normally they'll be thinking, oh, that, that's just going to be most likely, you know, the next town or su- suburbs a few miles over. <laughs> it's a four and a half hour drive yeah, yeah. to the place I put there in. But go. anyway. It, I mean, I think the challenge for, 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 for businesses in those areas, you know, somebody famously said, you know, that the suit shop in Drumcolour used to sell suits to the people of, all the suits available to the people of Drumcolour. Now it needs to sell suits from Drumcolour to all the people of the world. Right. You know what I mean? And, and you know, the, the, the market just got, you know, you need to, to rethink your business model. Mm. Um, and, and I think, you know, as we're the, actually good at doing that. I mean, are, in Ireland, we're good at doing that. I, I've seen a lot of Eurobarometer surveys and European Commission reports yeah. putting Ireland in or around the top of the table in terms of small business. When we do actually get broadband yeah. into the place, we're actually very good at selling stuff and marketing stuff abroad with it. I, but I think I think the, and the Irish brand travels well, and it has it has global purchase, and you know I think that's I mean it's clearly any pivot has winners and losers, but I think that's the future for rural and regional businesses to a large extent. You know, rather than selling to their own local communities, it's finding a niche to sell to a global community. Yeah, is there any other big trends that you? can see coming down the line in general in terms of telecoms um, so, um i mean the big i mean obviously uh, it goes without saying the big trend in telecoms is what i call copper swap out you know at the moment in western europe i don't know the number changes all the time it's probably about 25 percent of all all premises have a fiber connection 10 years from now that'll be 100 percent. right the, the the really interesting question is who gets to do that and what does the market look like when that is done for me it feels like the low cost. It feels like the air. I worked, as you said, I worked in Ryanair a million years ago, and the 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 move to low cost created a couple of big new players. I think there's an EasyJet and a Ryanair mm. coming out of these new fiber players. You know, I'd I'd like to think maybe fibers might have a crack at being one of them, mm. but, but I think there will be a big player you know, in the same way as Ryanair and EasyJet are bigger than BA and Aer Lingus. There'll be a there'll be one of these fiber companies that's bigger than an Air and a BT. So you do because some people would say that might be Javier Neal, that might be NGAJ, that might be Iliad, yeah. which is Arizona. They're kind yeah. of have a bit of a mindset, which is not a million miles away from that. I, I, he's definitely he, he's definitely one. I mean, if you look at the runners and riders, it's definitely there. People talk about City Fiber. Our mm. own investor, InfraCap, has a number of investments in these businesses, including GigaClear ourselves, White Fiber, Spectrum. So you know there are a number of there's a number of French players. There's Deutsche Glass Fiber. There's a bunch of you know guys out there. In the same way as you'd go and buzz and all these other low-cost airlines, and, and ultimately, you know, the market will consolidate. So that's that's the sort of big long-run picture that we're in the middle of right now. What I think I'm noticing, and I don't even know whether it's a trend, but I certainly think that both Aircom and BT 
have sharpened their pencil and those two incumbents are performing better and making all the right moves at the moment in a way that maybe they hadn't been over mm. the previous seven, eight years. You know, as you know, I would never have been hugely complimentary of either of those organizations. But BT certainly, you know, has, has, has you know, it's realized that maybe, you know, that it needs to invest in fiber and it's done, it's made a lot of good moves. And likewise, Air mm. and has, has, got, has gone very well. You know, so. just from reporting on air, it's to me, it seems like in the last two and a half years, they've moved quicker on made more major decisions and kicked off more things and been more aggressive as part of that and annoyed some people as part of that. But they've done more in the last two and a half years than they did in the last 10 years before that. So leadership matters, Adrian, you know, I mean, and I, and I think that both in the case of BT and of air, it, it, it's about the leadership. It's about the people at the top of the organization mm. being very clear about what they're trying to do and honestly trying to do it. And that's what would be what I observe in both those organizations. Yeah. My, my, have, fortunately for me as a challenger, like, you know. Yeah. 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 Having, having talked, I sometimes talk to senior executives in air uh, in particular among the other Irish telecoms companies here. And the, the uh, picture that I get is of a culture there that has changed to the point where they're not second guessing themselves anymore in terms of committees or, you know, putting decisions on a long finger. They're, not, they're allowed now to make decisions. Um, even if it doesn't turn out to be, you know, brilliant in the short term, they're, they're allowed to make those uh, decisions. Do you think um, Javier's in it for the long term in, in Ireland? I think, the, I mean, listen, I look at the Republic of Ireland market as a, as a sort of outsider now, you know, um, I, mm. I, I, I honestly probably have no great insight into, into the mindset of those shareholders. I don't know them. I've never dealt with them. I've never met them. Mm. I think the Irish market is probably characterized by a number of assets that would, would have what I'd call non-strategic owners. You know, if you, I mean, it, it sounds like Virgin, have, certainly, you know, I think you've written about it. Virgin sounds like, you know, are, are, mm. are going to exit. And uh, you have to wonder what some of the other key owners of some of those other businesses, what the future holds for them. Mm. Well, I, I would imagine that for certainly if I owned Aircom, which I don't, and I'm not sure I would ever aspire to, but um, I would probably sit back and wait for all that to play out to see what the market looks like before I made whatever move I wanted to make. Yeah, for that five to 10 year scenario. Just speaking of uh, infra capital, I mean, it, stri it strikes me that you were working for other companies for a long, long time. Mm. And then after you stepped away from the national broadband plan, you created your own company. I mean, yeah. you know, Fibers, you and Dominic Kearns. Yeah. And so you had that, you know, you had your own little fiefdom, you know, yeah. for a while. And then you took the, you, you, you infra capital came in and took a majority position yeah. uh, in it. Uh, I just wondering uh, two questions about that. One, how did it feel to be running the whole show by yourself? That was your own kind of kingdom. Like, was there any anxiety uh, around that in terms of, oh my God, everything depends on this. You know, w will we still be here in six, 12 months? Normal stuff that yeah. uh, founders often uh, uh, go about. And then secondly, when InfraCapital came in with the investment, did does this mean now you can take longer holidays? I mean, is it more relaxing? So, so a couple of things. First of all, you, you have to remember that even when I joined Enet, revenues were less than two hundred thousand. It was effectively mm -hmm. a startup, and you, you know, so Enet in the early days, you know, you were worried were we going to make payroll. So I'd been there mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Just that you know, as I Enet was a get rich slow scheme. It took us fifteen years to do what we right. did, uh, and that's sort of so. So, so it isn't something that is is new to me. Um, the second point, though, is, is it was always the plan to bring in a big investor. So when Dominic and I sat down and worked out what we wanted to do, we wanted, we wanted to showcase the fact that we could do what we wanted to do. So we started our first time and then we brought in. And, and what we did, which I think is unusual, we went from you know, a really, really naked startup to raising over 100 million 
you know, normally you have to go through a sort of five to ten million. You know, we we went straight to the to the high end of, of investment, and that was a lot of that was around the team that we built. So both myself and Dominic, but also, you know, our chief operating officer is a guy called Connor Harrison, who you may remember from Virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Jenny Nuttall, who is a very senior finance professional from DCMS in the UK. You know, we, we had a really strong team. The InfraCap lads were able to see that, you know, we, although we were a new company, we had a huge amount of experience in the team and we had a good plan in, 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 a, in a market that was underdeveloped in Northern Ireland. So, mm-hmm. so I, I don't, there wasn't, there, there wasn't a point where I thought, Craig, yeah, I need to bring in shareholders. Dominic and I always knew we needed to raise that. Right. I mean, building fiber networks is hugely capital intensive. Mm-hmm. And I checked my bank account and there wasn't a hundred million in there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Right, I see. Okay, look, uh, finally, um, I did see you uh, commenting about an electric bike that uh, you got. It was a Van Moof S3. Yeah. The only reason I'm interested is because I have one at the moment on loan, on test from Van Moof, and I'm quite interested in what you think about it. I have my own yeah. pros and cons uh, about it. How, how have you found it? I love it. I, I actually, I bought it for, I, I bought it originally to, 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 to ride around Dublin, but I actually have a house up in Donegal, you know, mm. and, and I use it around the hill, the hilly roads of Donegal. It's brilliant mm. uh, because it's just, a, it's just, it's just a nice shove up the hill. It, I, I find I use it much more than I would have used a regular push bike, you know. Um, Why did you pick that model and that brand though, as opposed to one of the ones that you can walk into a bike shop and buy? Um, why did I, what was the purchase decision? Because it's a kind, I tell you, because if for anybody who hasn't seen a, a van move, they're they're pretty out there in terms of their design. They're very futuristic. If Robocop was riding a bike, he'd probably be riding something like this. Very sleek, very minimalist. There's yeah. no buttons. There's yeah. only two buttons that you can see. Um, and it's, it's kind of cool looking in yeah. a, a certain type of, uh, you know, sheer minimalist uh, aesthetic. Um, whereas most e-bikes, you know, they have something on the back to carry something yeah. or they've got bells and whistles. I think I, if I think about it, I actually think I went for the security features. It's, it's very laden mm. with security features. You know, it's pretty darn near theft proof. Yeah, um, that's a good point, uh, actually. Yeah, you could you can integrate it with, if you use an iPhone user, you can integrate it with my your Find My mm-hmm. uh, e- ecosystem. Um, I, I, I bought the thing. They, 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 they do a thing where they, if it gets stolen and they don't find it, they give you a new bike and, they, and that costs you like 30 quid a year. I can't remember what it is. Oh, okay. But, I didn't know so, that. So, you know, um, and and you know, good bikes tend to get stolen. The amount of people I know who spend a lot of money on a bike only for it to be stolen. Yeah. You know, so that tends but, to be a middle-aged bloke thing. But anyway, I'll tell you the only drawback I have found with it. Actually, there's two drawbacks, but one is an unfortunate. The unfortunate one is I've been getting software errors on it. And it is an error called error 57, which isn't in the manual, but it, if you look online, it, it exists. And that essentially means that I had ridden out miles at Dolly Mount Beach yeah. um, I, I got an error message there and that meant that even though the battery was still largely charged it wouldn't change gears and etc uh, etc et the boost button wouldn't work the other thing is that it's a little bit weak to actually go full pace you, there's a button on it you have to press which is boost now I have gotten used to that yeah. but initially my my uh, my thinking is this is making me do too much work I'm lazy I want this to push me the whole yeah. way yeah. no well, I actually yeah. went at it from the other end I, I I wanted to get some exercise out of it mm. you know so and I, I don't think I've ever been in it I, I think I might have been on an electric bike in France but so I'm not sure I've got a comparator for right. me it's fine for me it's absolutely fine you know like you feel you sort of kid yourself that you've been cycling even though you haven't mm. really 
you know? <laughs> well, uh, I have seen research to say that people with e-bikes actually go out on the bike more oh, because, uh, because it just is that extra little bit of incentive uh, yeah. and, and it makes it a bit more pleasurable. You, you don't need to get dressed up and all that. So you just go out and you're, and, you know, I'll go out on the bike dressed as I am in my shirt, you know, because there's none of that messing around. Like, you know, no spandex, no tight Lycra, no. nothing? Okay. Well, listen, Connell Henry, um, uh, co-founder of Fibrous Networks, been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks a million for the time and for the chat and best of luck to the company in future in England. And that's all we have time for this week, folks. So for me, Adrian Wack, the tech editor of the Irish Sunny Independent, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll talk to you same time next week. Bye-bye.